0: And having found your place in Luke chapter 1, if you would hold your place there and turn back to Matthew 1, we're going to be going several places in the Holy Word today. Thank you. I pray all of you were blessed with a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you for being back here today. Reading the scriptures beginning in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 28, verse 26, Luke 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed. Now in that culture, a betrothal was far more than an engagement. A betrothal was a legally binding agreement. And in Jewish culture, especially in Old Testament days, we know this that if someone was unfaithful to a betrothal agreement, they were subject to not only ostracization, but stoning to death. It was serious. So, when you hear the word betrothal in the New Testament, understand that it was just as legally binding to them in that culture as marriage. And an adulterous act could result in not only alienation, but death. This virgin betrothed to a man, verse 27, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, by the way, are angel's still around. You say, well, I've never seen one, Pastor. I've never seen gravity, but I know that there's a real force. (laughs) Understand this. Old Testament and New, there are angelic beings who are manifest, they are spirit beings and they are occasionally manifested in the natural realm for a particular assignment. And in this case this angel who had a name, a personality, they are real spirit beings with personalities, Old and New Testament. This angel's name was Gabriel and understand that with this personification of the angelic presence was able to speak. And he says to Mary, verse 28, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, supernaturally favored by God are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel, verse 30, said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Understand that it's the favor of God and the revelation of that favor that breaks the grip of fear. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know, and that word is Genosko in the Greek, it has to do with intimate, in this case, sexual, intimate knowledge of a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Notice when God had something to say to Mary the first thing He had to deal with was her fear or she couldn't hear another thing. Notice before Mary could accept a holy assignment and do the next right thing, she had to deal with her fears first. What is fear and why is it so powerful? I wrote for you on your outline that fear is a mental, emotional reaction to a stimulus. It might be a word, it might be a thought, it might be in this case an event, it could be a person, it could be a message, it could be a feeling that suggests and even visualizes a result you don't want. You might hear a word from the doctor saying, oh by the way we have found these abnormalities. And your mind will hear those words and your emotions will respond to a visualization of okay, I may be eaten up with cancer and on my way out of here. A word, a thought, an emotion provides a stimulus for you to begin to think and even visualize a result you don't want. Oh, <clears throat> Your customer has decided not to do business with you anymore. Okay, now I'm visualizing that my my finances are ruined. Are, are, Are you with me? Fear is a response to a stimulus given by a word, a thought, an emotion, a person, any number of things. Fear is that reaction. Now understand this. At the heart of fear, is it is a spiritual force. Please get that in your spirit man. Just like faith and hope and love are spiritual forces given by the heart of God, fear is a spiritual force, and we're going to find out where it comes from. If you find out where it comes from, then you are better able to deal with and defeat it by the power of what God has granted to you through Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, in the context of other believers. It becomes look, it begins it is triggered by a stimulus, word, thought, feeling, a visualization. but it begins to gather more and listen, if you leave it in neutral, it will roll downhill every time. If you leave your fears alone, if you do not confront them and expose them at the root, remember, light always dispels darkness. If you allow your fears to be left alone, they will always gather momentum and and gather force. And not only will they begin to have influence, listen, they will have influence in your life and that influence left unchecked will become dominance. Influence becomes domination if you leave your fears alone. But if you invest in your fears, if you begin to cooperate with your fears, I guess this is it for me. I suppose that I'll never have my children back in order. I suppose that I will continually get worse. I, can, I suppose that my business life is done. I suppose that I will never be the same again. If you invest in your fears with your thoughts, your emotions, and your words, then that process of influence becomes expedited and eventually dominion grabs you by the throat, and you can hardly move because of fear. It is a spiritual force, and they can no doubt about it. A spiritual force. Well, what does it do? Well, let's back up for just a minute and find out where it comes from. Number one, we all, every one of us have internal sources of this force called fear. One of the main sources that we have of fear is the fact that we were physically born spiritually dead. I said you were physically born spiritually dead. You had to be reborn to enter into the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things. All of us got unplugged from the life of God when Adam and Eve chose what they did so that we are physically born with Adam's spiritual genetics. Just like you have physical genetics that you're physically born with, you are born with spiritual genetics that are void of the life of God. God said to Adam and Eve, if you do this, you're going to die. And they, the, the life of God got unplugged from Adam and Eve when they decided that they were going to be sovereign over their own lives and stopped listening to the voice of God and obeying Him. They had dominion, but now they had death. And all of us are physically born spiritually dead. And so in the absence of spiritual life in us, by our very old age, Adamic nature, we have a propensity to fear. Do you ever notice that as a child grows and develops and begins to take adulthood, you don't have to teach them how to fear. You have to constantly tell them to fear not. Isn't that the way it is with all of us? So part of the reason we deal with fear is because of, you say, but pastor, the word says that I'm a new creation, created in the image and likeness of God. Old things passed away. At the cross, the power of everything broken and everything in death was broken. But although its power is broken, his presence is still lodged in your physical body until you go to be with Jesus or he comes and gets you. It's called the flesh in the Bible. It's called the old man, the flesh. Think about it like this. Let's suppose that a man grew and lived a long life and had a home and then died. There is a legal piece of paper, a death certificate that that man died. But suppose you were very, very, very close to that man, and every day you live in that house. Every day you open the closet door, and there's the man's clothes, and you decide, you know, that's about my fit. I think I'll try that on. Every day on the walls of that house, they are covered with pictures of that man, what he did, what he loved, what made him tick. And you look at those pictures every day. You sit at his table, you wear his clothes, you look at all their, listen, in your inner man, you have legally died To the old man you used to be, and there is a new resident in that house of your body, it is the Lord Christ is in you, and he is your hope of glory. But if you don't take the pictures off the wall of the way it used to be, if you don't stop eating and fellowshipping at the table, with the old man. If you don't stop wearing those clothes, then you are going to think and act and feel as if the old man's still here. Are you with me? So, in we have a propensity to think and talk and act the way we used to be, apart from that which God is creating. In that new man that he has deposited in us by his spirit, there are external sources that stimulate fear as well. Have you been listening to the world system? Do you ever turn on the news? Do you ever just look around or have any idea whatsoever of what's going on in the culture around you? How much great news have you gotten this week from the media? Deputy, when I first started having armed deputies to do security at this church, there were those who thought I was a little off the top. Nobody feels that way anymore. Do you? Besides that, a lot of the guys that get shot nowadays are pastors. Did you know that? I'm not afraid, but I'm not stupid either. You just wouldn't believe. The world system and its report and its forecast. We have a real enemy out there, folks. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing is a bigger enemy to you to steal, kill, and destroy everything God wants for good in your life. Nothing is as big an enemy to you as fear. It is a force that will take over and dominate your thoughts, your emotions, and eventually your life. Turn with me to the back of your Bible. I'm going to skip Matthew for just a minute. Let's go to 2 Timothy, please, toward the back of your Bible, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Are you there? 2 Timothy, chapter 1. For God has not given us... Us believers, those of us who know Christ, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say this with me. Whatever fear I have didn't come from God. Wow. If it doesn't come from God, do you want it? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. That word there is dunamis. It is Forceful, mighty, miraculous power. God has given you, through Christ, the spirit of power of love. That word there is agape. And of a sound mind. If my mind is not sound, it's not because of something God is doing. If I'm not walking in love, it's not because of something God is not doing. If I don't have spiritual power, it's not because God hasn't invested it in me. In fact, if I have a spirit of fear, it didn't come from God. Notice that the word there says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Notice he didn't say God hadn't given us some thought, some fearful thoughts. Do you know that according to this right here, fear is a spirit? Fear has a spiritual personality. And guess who energizes it? It's not from God. Listen to me, church. The devil himself energizes the spirit of fear. So if I begin to be dominated by fear, I am under the influence. He doesn't live on the inside of me. He doesn't own me. But I am under the influence of the evil one if I am continually walking in fear. Boy, isn't that a sobering thought. Well, Pastor, I don't go around thinking that I'm scared all the time. What about this? Do you have internal struggles with your own ability and desire to control and manipulate everything? That's rooted by in, in fear. See, fear and pride are big partners. Fear is energized. How you know this? For many, many years of my life, I had all kind of manifestations of things that I thought was my problem, but the Lord said, you have a fear problem. And what was at the heart of it? A failure to truly believe what God said was true. And therefore, a failure to connect with the love of God. See, First John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love. God's kind of love, agape. Perfect love casts out fear. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, you have a love problem. You just think you have a fear problem. Fears the manifestation of not having revelation of my love. If you got real revelation of how much I love you, you wouldn't be afraid. If you got real revelation of how much I love you, you wouldn't be worried about what's going to happen to your finances. If you really got revelation of how much I love you, you wouldn't be afraid of the end result for your children. They're in my hands. You can't control or manipulate them anyway. If you got real revelation of how much I love you, you wouldn't wouldn't constantly visualize these results you don't want and try to control and manipulate everything and everybody so it doesn't turn out that way. My love would set you free. My love would give you rest. My love would give you peace. My love would help you understand that you are not responsible for the end result. Only for the process of obedience. If you got revelation of my love, the grip of fear would be broken off of you. There is no fear in Love, 1 John 4 18. Perfect love casts out fear. So, how's my best way to fight fear? Receive the love of God, walk in it, ask for greater revelation of it. Every day of my life at this stage, I am praying for a greater revelation of the love and the grace of God. It's about the love of God, people. And understanding it more and more and more. It breaks us free from fear. But I've got to get serious. Very serious about my battle with fear. Knowing that it will steal, kill, and destroy everything good. How do I break the chains? Number one. I've got to arm myself with God's resources. That is, by faith. By the way, how does faith come? Faith comes by? in hearing. hearing by? So my measure of faith is going to have everything to do with the diminishing of fear. You see, I can only receive the love of God through faith. Romans 5 tells me that the love of God has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. You're not looking for it. You're reaching into it where God has already deposited it. God give us revelation. So arm yourself. Declare, listen, Fear will keep its grip around your neck until you make up your mind that you're taking a stand, that you are not going to allow fear. You have to decide that. Now, did you understand? You're not waiting on God to do it. He's waiting on you to take a stand with the resources he's given you. You've got to decide it. You have got to declare war on fear. Everybody say this with me. I hear by today. Under the witness of the Holy Spirit, I hereby declare war on all my fears. In the name of Jesus. Turn with me there toward the back of your Bible to First Peter five. I want to show you something here out of the Word of God. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to see it. First Peter chapter five. First Peter five. We studied this earlier about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, knowing that he will exalt us and promote us at the right time, casting all, verse 7, casting all our care upon him, for he cares for you. Verse 8, are you, are you, are you there? Verse 8, be sober, be on the alert, don't be under the influence of the lies of the evil one. Be sober, be vigilant. Take a stand because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Your adversary, do you know you've got a real personal enemy who wants to see your demise? He wants all your children, all your business, all your health. He wants anything that is good to be destroyed. You have an adversary, Roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the word for devil in the Greek is diabolos. All right, now listen to me now. Diabolos. The word in the Greek diabolos comes from the prefix dia means against. And bolos, which means to throw. So get this picture. Your adversary, Diabolos, throws against the wall of your mind images and pictures and words to get you to fear and cower and retreat. Look at what he says. Be on the alert, be sober, be vigilant, your adversaries. Your adversary, the devil, Diabolus, comes against you, but notice what he says there. Verse nine. Does it say study him? Does it say ignore him? Verse nine, resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. How does faith come? Are you doing what Jesus did when Diabolus appeared to him? What did Jesus do? He spoke the word of God and that's all. Do you know that there's enough authority in the word of God coming out of your mouth as there was coming out of Jesus' mouth? Because the word hadn't changed. It has not diminished one iota. Amen. Take a stand. You've got to get serious about fear now. You're not, going to get, you're not going to do a lot of good trying to reason or think up against diabolos, throwing these pictures against your mind. You've got to say something. Take a stand. Ephesians 6 Sharon has taught this wonderful study to our ladies recently, Ephesians 6. I do this every single day of my life. Put on the whole and entire armor of God. Put it on. That you may, what? Stand firm against the methods of the devil. Stand therefore, having girded yourself with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walking in the shoes of peace. Raising up the shield of faith. Putting on the helmet of salvation. Taking up the sword of the Spirit and praying at all times in the Spirit. you got to declare war on fear. And the agent of fear, diabolus. Pray. Listen, Jesus said all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Do you know that Jesus, where does Jesus live in regards to you? The Bible says Christ is in you. Yes or no? Well, did he take it? Did he did he leave his authority out? We are to, in Jesus' name, humbly obedient to the word and authority that is invested in Him, to speak in line with what He says. Pray the greatest, your confession and your prayer. And I'm going to close with this. I'll finish this up next week if the Lord lets me. The greatest resource you have outside of the love and word and confession of God is your prayers. Philippians 4. Four through eight is one of my favorite. And in verse six, he says, do not be anxious about anything. See, being anxious is something you do. He says, do not. Do not be anxious. I mean, every one of us have an assault of anxious thoughts, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, do we take those on and live according to those anxious thoughts? Do we allow that forecast of our disaster become the blueprint of our lives. Remember what I said about the diabolos? He's a forecaster of disaster. You got to take a stand. And remember this, the Word says, do not be anxious and worried and concerned about anything, but instead in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Stop focusing on what you don't want to happen and start focusing on what in in line with the word and the will of God you do want to happen. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't get in neutral. You'll go downhill. Take a stand. Speak up. Receive that love of God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I want you to join me today. Just take a moment and admit to the Lord what those fears are that you've been having to deal with on an ongoing basis. And tell the Lord that it's been exposed to you today where the roots of those are. And would you say to the Lord, I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to take an aggressive stand against fear in my mind, my emotions, my will. And in the practices of my life, you might need to do what I had to do many years ago. My life was under the control of fear. A lot of people didn't know about it, but I inwardly knew it. I had to get alone with God and make a strong and violent confession that fear would not run my life, my mind, my inner world anymore, that God had not given me a spirit of fear. In fact, I want you to say that with me right now. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I hereby declare on the basis of your word, you have not given me. A spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And I hereby declare that this day I am having a greater revelation of the love of God. Deepen it for me. Help me to know and fully understand that the love of God is poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And I hereby declare today that my mind is a sound mind. Because I have the mind of Christ, I hereby declare today that all those forecasts are lies that are against the Word and the will of God. So hereby today, I'm changing my pattern of thinking, of speaking, of behaving. And I obey the Word by giving you the desire of my heart. Show me, Lord, what it is, is my next assignment. And in the name of Jesus, I will take it. Did you realize what we said when we first started church? The most holy assignment of Mary's life she would have missed had she not dealt with her fear. You are not going to be able to take the next right step until you deal with your fears. Don't miss your next assignment from the Lord. He will make it clear. Father, I ask you to bless these wonderful people and the sound of my voice, both here in this room and those who listen to these messages around the world. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you will rise up on the inside of us. We hereby agree with you today that fear will not take over our lives. It may knock on the door and ring the doorbell, but we will keep the doors and windows of the house of God restrained from the evil one, fortified by the Word of God. Lord, give us greater revelation of that new man that you have made us and are making us in Christ Jesus. May we not continue to think and act and speak like the old man. How we used to be. Thank you that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. We praise you for that, God. And I pray as we leave here today, in this Christmas season, you will give us a greater revelation of the advent that love and light through the person of Jesus has forever changed this world. And we thank you that the result of this, this world are not our results. We're part of a kingdom. That kingdom is under the headship of a king who always wins, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll see you next week. God bless you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.